If you brought your Bible, go to John's Gospel, John chapter 3, beginning at verse 19. John chapter 3, verse 19, and then we're going to go to John chapter 18, verse 37. As we continue our series of sermons entitled, Let There Be Light. John chapter 3. And then John chapter 18. John chapter 3. Verse 19. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light, and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. John chapter 18 now, and verse 37. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And I pray that you would come by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. That you would as well anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they may hear the word of the Lord and have it fall into their hearts and bear fruit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. The congregation said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have read to you a portion of scripture that comes out of the life of Christ that is in fact the latter part of his ministry. Pontius Pilate has uh, been brought a, an accused man. His name is Jesus. He is the Roman governor of his province and uh, the Jews had brought him Jesus in order that he might make a determination as to his life or death. The Bible tells us that in a brief conversation with with Pontius Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus a question. He says, are you a king? Jesus said, you have truly said that I am a king. It was for this reason that I was born that I might come to bear witness to the truth. And in that statement, Jesus tells us really what the meaning of Christmas is. Why he was born. He says, I was born in order to bear witness of the truth. Then we read in his conversation with Nicodemus earlier in the book of John that he says that he who practices the truth comes into the light. We have been talking about letting there be light. And I want to share with you today that there is a light 
which our nation is rejecting and which many people and many hearts have rejected. It is the light of truth. For some reason, we like to speak the truth, but we don't like to hear the truth. How many of you know the truth hurts sometimes? Yet it is the very truth that we need to hear if somebody says you are slipping in your spiritual life. It hurts. We don't want to hear that, but we need to hear that maybe. Someone might tell us, you know, that, that, uh, that style you're wearing doesn't suit you. Ah, hurts. But we might need to hear it. And the truth of the gospel is something that is offensive to man because it's like a light that comes on in the middle of the dark. If you're in your home at night and uh, you're already in bed, the lights are off, and all of a sudden someone turns on the light, your reaction is, ah, my eyes. Why? Because the light is offensive in the midst of darkness, and so is the truth. And in America, truth has fallen on hard times. We live in a nation that is now denying the very fundamental truths of the Word of God. We live in a country that is denying the very essential truth of what life is and where life came from and the existence of God. They have taken out the truth of God, the Bible says, and they have exchanged it for a lie. The story is told about a man. He called his son on the phone. He said, son, I got some bad news from the doctor today. He says, I'm very sick and that unless I change my diet and change my exercise patterns, and unless I change my lifestyle, that I'm not going to live very long. And several, months, several weeks later, the son called him back. He said, Dad, how's it going? Have you changed your lifestyle? Have you changed your exercise patterns? Have you changed your diet? He said, no, son, I just changed doctors. And that's what America's trying to do today. We don't want to hear the truth, so we're changing doctors. We're rejecting God, the God of truth, the one who brought us thus far because we don't like the truth we hear, friend. Doesn't matter how many doctors you change until you have been changed and transformed by the truth. You're going to continue in the same darkness. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 14 tells us that truth has fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. He was talking about a day so dark when truth itself had been trampled down under the feet of men. I want to tell you that we are living in just such a day. The truth of the, the light of truth is still shining, still brightly shining for those who will hear the voice of God. And if you and I will have an open heart toward God, His truth will hurt a little sometimes, but it will also bring a tremendous amount of freedom and blessing to our lives. Somebody say amen. You and I have experienced this, haven't we? The way the truth of God enters our heart, at times it is so penetrating, so convicting, so disturbing to our, to our conformity, but then it begins to bring healing and peace and deliverance and hope. That is the power of the truth. Now God has let this light of truth shine from the very beginning of creation. And he wants that light to shine because he doesn't want you to, to walk in darkness. He doesn't want you to walk in the midst of a lie. And he's given us four lights that I want to mention to you this morning. The first light that God gave the world was the light of creation. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And the firmament declares the handiwork of God. What does this tell us? 
It tells us that when God made the world, he made the world in such a way that it would bear witness to the truth that he is the creator of the world. The Bible says that everything that we know about God is evident to us because God made it evident. And he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Every time you go out and you see the creation, you see the sun, the moon, the stars, you see the mountains, the Grand Canyon, you see a river flowing, you see trees blooming and blossoming and bearing fruit, you see the very witness of the fact that there is a creator who made this world. Now there is a lie that's being told in our day and that lie says that we were made by an evolutionary process. That we came by accident into the world. That we came by just chance. That we evolved out of some primordial soup and it up came a man. Let me tell you friend, that is a lie out of the very pits of darkness. The Bible tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is the truth that God has established in his word. And while men deny it and argue against it, this is the truth that you and I have to come to terms with. But you see the world is against that truth. Because as long as we don't have a creator, we don't have anyone to answer to. As long as we came out of chance and happenstance, we have no accountability to God or anyone else. But if we have a creator, then we must be accountable to him. If we have a God who made us, then we must be accountable to our maker. And this is true. You realize in anthropology, they've never found a single tribe without religion. Every tribe ever found in all of the world. Every native group of men and women has some form of religion. They all have some form of belief that tells them that there is a God. You're never going to be born an atheist. You are born in a world that is testifying all around you that there is a God. That there is a God so great that he cannot be described. Scientists tell us that there is a star in the universe that has been discovered that is so great, so vast that you cannot fit it between the earth and the sun. Now that's a big space. If you don't know the distance between the earth and the sun, it would take you 40 years to travel at 2,000 miles per minute to get there. And it would take you 40 years to get from the earth to the sun. That's a long vacation. You may not have a job when you get back. And so there is a star that has been found that wouldn't fit between that space. So vast is that star. And yet the Bible tells me that the creator of the world held the stars in the very palm of his hand and he scattered them across the dark of the night and he told each one where they should remain and he gave them each a name and a number. This is the God who has made himself known to us in the creation. But he didn't stop there. He gave us another light. He gave us the light of conscience. He put in the world a light that announces that he is the creator He put in our hearts a law that announces that he is the divine lawgiver. Every one of us was born with a conscience, something on the inside, a little voice that says, that's right, that's wrong, that's good, that's bad. That conscience is constantly telling us that there is a lawgiver. Who wrote that law on men's hearts? Who wrote that law on men's conscience? God wrote that law. He wrote that on our hearts. Without the Ten Commandments, without even so much as knowing one Bible verse, 
Every man and woman in the world has a conscience on the inside that's bearing witness to the fact that there is a God and that God has put His law upon our hearts. The Bible says that men through wickedness have seared their conscience. Just like when you take a steak and you put it on a hot skillet in order to sear those juices and trap them in. So it happens sometimes with the conscience of man. That through wickedness and unbelief, your conscience can become so callous toward God that it no longer hears His voice and it no longer hears Him calling. Friend, that is a dangerous place to be. If you're getting to the place where you can sin without any conscience, you had better get right with God today because you're on dangerous, slippery slope that's going to lead you to an eternal hell without God. And so God has given us the light of creation and He's given us the light of conscience. But He didn't stop there. He also gave us the light of the Word of God. He gave us the Bible. And the Bible says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Word of God is the light of truth in our day. You and I have so many opinions in our day. There are so many claiming for our attention. But the Word of God is the absolute truth of our day. It is not subject to our opinion. It is life and light to those who will walk in it. The Bible says that the entrance of the Word brings light. You see, we don't study the Bible so that God can shine light on the darkness of the scripture. We study the Bible so that the light of the Bible can shine light on the darkness of our understanding. It is the word of God that brings light into the human heart. That's why the devil fights you coming to church. Did he fight you this morning? He couldn't find your socks. You couldn't find your keys. Your, your children were misbehaving. And it seemed like everything got up against you in order to stop you from coming to church. Why? Because God wants you to see the light, to hear his word. And yet the enemy knows if they get to church, I'm going to lose just a little bit more territory. I'm going to lose just a little bit more ground because they're going to be exposed to the truth. Well, let me congratulate you this morning. You came into the house of God, the house of light, and this truth has the power to make you free. Jesus said, thy word is truth. He was speaking about the Father's word. It has been written down. Let me tell you just a little bit about the Bible. The Bible is 66 books in one. The Bible was written by more than 40 men. As far as we know, no women were involved in the writing of the scripture. I'm sorry, ladies, but that's just how it goes. 40 different men over a space of time of 1,500 years. Between Moses, the first writer, and John, the last writer, there were 1,500 years, 1,500 years, in which these 40 men wrote down what God breathed into their spirit. And yet, when John had finished writing the book, They had written one single book that told one single story of redemption and God's plan for the rescue of man from sin. There is no book in the world that can boast the power of this book. You can quote Shakespeare all day long and it won't set you free. But the word of God is able to make any man free, any woman free, and to change your life. Somebody ought to give God praise for his word. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to walk out of here and say, Pastor Isaac said, 
No, I want you to walk out of here and say, God's word says, because I am a fallible man and I am subject to error, but the word of God is infallible and not subject to error. It is the perfect word of God and you can live your life by it and it will be a blessed life indeed. I wish there was a church in here this morning. I feel like I'm preaching to an empty sanctuary. The word of the living God is truth. Tell your neighbor, turn the light on. When you get dark and confused in your mind, turn the light on. Get into the word of God. Get into the scripture. Let that word come in and penetrate your soul. and Bring light into the midst of darkness. But it didn't stop there. God gave us a fourth light. He gave us the light of his creation, the light of conscience, the light of the word. But then he gave us the light of his son. And the word of God the very, the very power that made the world. Truth became a man. Truth became a human being. And it became an incarnate. Incarnate means in, in carne. You know what carne is, right? In flesh. The truth took on flesh. And dressed in human flesh. And became a man. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is truth itself. All the philosophers have gone for ages looking for truth. It is said that even Buddha at the end of his life said, I have still not found the truth. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't come looking for truth. He didn't come to find the truth. He is the truth. And he is the, the, the one that is able to bring you to the light and to bring you into, the, into eternal hope in God. It is Jesus Christ, the born of a virgin, truth incarnate, who said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to God through Buddha. You can't get to God through Krishna. You can't get to God through Muhammad. You can't get through God through Abraham. You can't get through God through Mary. And you can't get through God through Pastor Isaac. The only one that can get you to God is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And He is the one that has opened the door of grace to you this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those who walk with him, he says, I'm the light of the world. And if you walk with me, you follow me. You'll no longer walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. Now you see, friend, when you let the truth come in, truth starts to change your life. The first thing that truth does is that truth brings freedom. John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus speaking, he said that he would make you free. He said the truth would make you free. In the previous verse, he says, if you do what I command, my truth, will, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Do you realize that there are many people today who are not in prison, they're not in chains, they're not in any kind of physical bondage, and yet they're not free. Some of you in this room are not free. You'd say, Pastor, I've never been to prison don't plan to be. I've never been to jail. Don't plan to be. And yet I, I don't know why you're telling me I need to be free. Because many of you are in spiritual bondage. You are spiritually bound and maybe you don't even know about it yet. But there are fetters. There are binds and chains that are in our spirit sometimes that keep us from knowing true freedom. One of the chains that binds many people is fear. Fear is a terrible bondage. The fear of the unknown. Fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Fear of losing my marriage. Fear of, of losing my job. 
Fear of growing old and not having anybody to take care of me. Fear of, of, of missing out on the important things. And fear of, of success. Fear of failure. Fear is a terrible motivator in the lives of many people. And it creates bondage. Some people are so bound by fear. They never leave their homes. And friends, when you let fear take over your life, it will tie you down. It will make you a prisoner of your own mind. And there is uh, so many, so there have been so many people who have lost their, their life, their, their, uh, their quality of life just because of a thought that brought fear into their heart. The story is told of a preacher. He was staying overnight at someone's house. And as soon as he went to bed, the lights were off. And he saw a demon standing over his bed, swaying at him like this. And he got on his bed, he stood on the bed, he started rebuking that thing. And he started casting that devil out and it wouldn't go. And, and he was afraid, he was terrified, but he was praying and, and pleading. And then all of a sudden he realized he had been up all night. The sun started to rise and the light started to come into the room and he realized that it was no demon at all. It was just a raincoat that was hanging on a hook under, under a fan and that coat was just hovering over him. And, and what he couldn't see in the dark, all of a sudden the lights came on and there was nothing to be afraid of. When you are afraid, afraid of what you don't know, afraid of what you don't understand, afraid of where your life is headed, turn on the light. Let Jesus come in. Jesus does know. Jesus does care. And Jesus is in absolute control. Don't let fear reign in your life. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. All you have to do is turn the lights on. Let there be light. Bring Jesus into your situation. And let him turn the lights on in your soul. Others suffer from bondage to addiction. Others suffer from bondage to guilt. Some suffer from bondage to poverty. And others suffer from bondage to ignorance. But the, 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 the truth will set you free from every one of those things. And let me just tell you that behind every one of those things is a lie. Behind addiction, there is a lie that's telling you that there is a greater fix somewhere. Behind guilt, there is a lie that's telling you that you'll never be able to be forgiven for what you've done. Let me tell you, friend, that if you come to Jesus, he says that he will remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever thought about that? He didn't say as far as the north is from the south because there is a north pole and a south pole. And that is an actual distance that can be measured. But there is no west pole and east pole. There is just a continuous moving around the east and the west. And so God says this basically, I'm going to move your sin so far from you that you won't be able to catch it, catch it if you tried and it won't be able to catch up with you. Somebody ought to give God some thanks. He says, I will forgive you of your sin. Yet guilt will come and cloud your mind and your conscience. The Bible says that even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Even if your conscience condemns you, God is greater than your conscience. And the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you can serve the living God. So next time the devil tries to bring up your past, just tell him, devil, what past? My past is under the blood. My past has been covered by Jesus. What past? And then tell him, look, devil, before you leave, let me just remind you of your future. You have been disarmed and you have been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. And you have no power over me. The truth will set you free. 
When you feel the condemnation of guilt, you need to have the truth come in and remind you you have been forgiven, that you have been set free. Some of you have a poverty spirit. Poverty is a lie. It tells you you'll never get ahead. You'll never prosper. You'll never succeed. I've all, our family's always been at the, in, at the bottom. We're always going to be at the bottom. And no one will ever care about us. No one ever really, no, no one ever values us. Poverty makes you think, oh, look, everybody's criticizing me. Everybody's talking about me. Po- poverty makes you hear things that aren't really being said. There was one woman went to a football game, and when the team got in a huddle, she said, look, they're talking about me. She was so convinced that everybody was against her. She thought even that football team was against her. Can I tell you, friend, that when you turn the light of truth on and you begin to realize that, hey, I'm not a nobody. I'm a child of the living God. I haven't been forgotten. I have been adopted into the family of God. I'm not alone. I am well accompanied by the Spirit of God, the truth will set you free from that mindset of poverty. Some of you struggle from the bondage of jealousy and envy. I I don't know if that's true of all of you, but I know it's true of some of you. And jealousy is a terrible bondage that will destroy your life and can destroy your marriage because it is at its root a, a sin that leads to greater sin. You know the Bible teaches us that jealousy leads to murder? Did you know that? Great sin like murder starts with a little sin like jealousy. And yet it is the bondage that many people are in. Jealousy comes from a lie. The lie of insecurity. The lie that says if you don't hold on to what you've got, you'll never have any more. And friend, that lie comes from the very pits of darkness. There's a story about a man. He worked in a wig shop. And we don't have a wig shop in Beeville, but he worked in a wig shop. And his wife was a very jealous wife. And she, he, she uh, saw him come home one day, and he had a blonde hair on his shoulder. And she said, you're seeing a blonde, aren't you? And she started accusing him. The next day he came home, and there was black hair on his shoulder. He sa- she said, you're seeing a woman with black hair, aren't you? And then the next day he came home, and there was no hair on his shoulder. She said, she's bald, isn't she? I just know it. And that woman could not get any peace. She was bound by jealousy. But see, when you turn the lights on, truth comes in. You realize, hey, you know what? I'm secure in Christ. Doesn't matter what you do to me or what you take from me. I'm secure in Christ. You don't determine my value. You don't determine my worth. God did that when he sent his son to buy me with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He wants to make you free from anxiety and worry. The Bible teaches us that worry is a sin. You may not have ever thought about this, but worry is actually a sin against God. When you spend your time worrying, you are actually telling God, God, you can't handle this, so I'm going to have to handle it. I'm going to have to wear this on my mind and get get it taken care of. And I know a lot about worry because I come from a family where the women are worriers. My grandmothers and my mother were worriers. And my mom was only about 4'11". And she proved the point. Jesus said that none of you can add a single inch to your stature by worrying. If my mama could have grown by worrying, she would have been a giant. 
But you know, she had to learn to trust God. She had to learn to put her confidence in God. You see, the worry is a lie. It tells you things are out of control. Things are spinning beyond my control. But when the truth comes in, the truth tells you, hey, this thing's not out of control. God's in control of this thing. And that God is the author of your life. He is the one that's writing your story. And that he is going to give you the grace to ride every storm and every wave. Some of you have one more bondage, the bondage of unforgiveness. The inability to let go of the past. Somebody hurt you in the past, robbed you in the past, took from you in the past, and you have been unable to let it go. Let me tell you, friend, that that unforgiveness is a bondage in your life. And you will not be free until you let the truth come in and let you forgive those people who have wronged you. You say, but pastor, if I let it go, I'll have nothing left. And that's how many people feel. They say, if I, if I forgive, I'll have nothing left. This is all I've got to hold on to. I just have to hold it against you. I have to hold it against this person. But friend, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You're the one that's poisoning your own spirit. You have to let it go. The only way that you'll ever be able to forgive, even the most atrocious of all, of all sins against you, is when you come into the light and you see that God has forgiven you of an immeasurable amount of sin, that he has washed it away. And if God could do that for you, then you can do that for somebody else in the name and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the light in. Let the truth in. And when you do that, you're going to find freedom. Not only this, but truth also sanctifies. The truth is able to make you holy. Jesus said in his prayer for his disciples in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them in your truth. What does sanctify mean? It means make them holy. Make them like me. And you see, friend, when the truth comes in, it starts exposing lies. It starts exposing error. And it starts exposing sin. When you let the truth in, it hurts, but it cleanses. It hurts, but it purifies. It hurts, but it washes away. And when the truth has done its job, you're brand new. And you're able to go forward with your life. Because the truth is that sanctifying work. You know, sometimes we think that we can live for God on our own. No, friend. You can't live for God on your own. You need the truth of God. The light of God in your life. To give you the power to live a holy life. To give you the power to live a life that pleases God. If I asked you in this room, who wants to please God? Not a doubt in my mind, every hand would be raised. But most of you don't know how to please God because you don't know the truth yet. You haven't come into terms with his word. You haven't been taught by the Holy Spirit. But if you will yield your heart to him, he will teach you the way of truth. And he will make your life holy. He'll purify your speech. He'll purify your thinking. He'll purify your actions and the destiny of your life. And he'll give you a holy life that pleases God. A life that honors God and bears witness to the work that he has done in your heart. And here's what Jesus said. He said, this is the verdict. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. The light of creation, the light of conscience, the light of the word, and the light of the sun. They've come into the world to testify about the truth. But men loved the darkness. They loved the darkness. They saw the light, but they didn't come to the light because they loved the darkness. And I want to just challenge you this morning. Do you love darkness? 
Are you contented with darkness? Why did they reject the light? Jesus said, number one, because they loved darkness. They welcomed it, entertained it. They were fond of it, pleased with it, contented with darkness. Friends, darkness will beget more darkness. Some of you this morning, you're in love with darkness. And you have seen the terrible power of the way your life is headed. And yet, you're in love with that. I've seen men walk away from their marriage because they were in love with darkness. I can understand how a man could walk away from a wife and children because he's in love with darkness. Or how a woman can walk away from her children because she's in love with darkness. And yet, this is the very bondage that Jesus came to set men free from. What could be more dark than that? What could be more dark and blinding than that, friend? To live a life in love with darkness. Jesus said men love the darkness. They rejected the light because they did not want their deeds to be exposed. They liked the dark because in the dark, we could get away with things. In the dark, nobody notices where I've been or what I've done or what I've said or how I said it or what I took that wasn't mine. In the darkness, my deeds are covered. When you come into the light, you're exposed. Your deeds are exposed. There is this terrible power of, of guilt on the hearts of men. It says, no, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to come into the dark, into the light. I want to stay in the dark. There's even Christians this morning who are walking in darkness in certain parts of your life. You're entertaining darkness, fond of darkness. And today I stand as God's prophet in your midst to tell you to come into the light. To come to Jesus. It doesn't matter matter where you've been or what you've done. Forsake the darkness. Forsake the darkness. For the darkness will lead you to eternal hell without God and without hope. Jesus has sent his light of truth into your life this morning. So that you can know the power of the truth. You say, but my deeds are going to be exposed. Can I tell you they're going to be exposed anyway? Jesus said in Mark 24 verse 4. There is nothing hidden. There will not be disclosed, nothing secret that will, be, that will not be brought into the light. Here are the options this morning. Either we bring our darkness into the light of God and let Him heal it and let Him change it and let Him purify our lives. We confess our sin to Him and say, God, I've walked in darkness. I've walked in bondage. I've gone the wrong way. I have forsaken your law. I have rejected the light. And what will happen then? He'll take you in. And he'll wash you clean. He'll make you new. I say he'll make you new. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to live in darkness. And someday, if you reject Christ, you'll stand before God in judgment. You'll stand before the Almighty God who is dwelling in an approachable light. You'll stand in judgment and have to give an answer to him for your life. And on that day, no deed will be uncovered. Everything will be exposed. The result will be eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. Friend, God has sent his son, the truth, into your life this morning so that you could walk in the light, so that you could be free, so that you could have hope, so that you could be holy and and like Christ, and so that you would no longer walk in darkness but have the light of life. Here's the truth. This is the truth. You must decide. There is no neutrality concerning this issue. You cannot now walk out of here this morning and say, 
Whatever that preacher said doesn't matter. It matters all of eternity. And you must decide. Either you will say yes to Christ or say no to Christ. Either you will live for Him or turn your back to Him. There's no neutrality on Jesus. Today, if you say yes to Him, His light will come. And yes, the truth will hurt as He starts to deal with things in your life. He starts to heal and remove the, the festering infection of the life that you've lived without Him. Friend, He'll make you new. He'll make you clean. He'll make you pure. And He'll declare you righteous before the eyes of an almighty God. Jesus is coming to the world. This is why He was born. This is why He was born. To bear witness to the truth. A truth that comes from outside of us. Truth not in our own mind. Not in our own philosophy. A truth that comes even from outside of our culture. A truth that comes from above. That comes from God. I was born for this, Jesus said. To testify to the truth. Jesus came to testify to the truth. What is the truth, Pastor? Here's the truth. God created the world. And the world is accountable to Him. The world sinned against God. Sin brought separation between between man and the God who loved Him. God created a plan of redemption for man. He sent His perfect Son to be born of a virgin. Jesus is the Son of God in human flesh. He came and He lived a sinless life, absolutely perfect life. The innocent one died on the cross in the place of the guilty. He was buried and was in the grave for three days. On the third day, He rose from the dead. He ascended into the throne room of God on high. He is now seated at the right hand of God. He will someday soon come back with power and great glory to reign over this world as King of kings and Lord of all lords. And to Him, every man will give an account. To Him, every life will give an account. So today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Say yes to Jesus. Run to Him and find that He is the forgiver of all of your sin. He is the one able to receive you to make you his own. Come to the truth and let the truth set you free. Let him shine the light on your darkness and bring freedom there. Would you stand with me this this afternoon? Just bow your head if you would. No one moving around, please. This sacred moment, we're going to pray. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come into the truth, to come to the light, to come to the one who loves you. For you see, the Bible said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him, that's all it takes, simple faith, whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God wants you to have that this morning. I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard this morning. Father, I come before the throne of grace this morning. In the name of Jesus, your Son, 
whose blood alone gives us access to the throne of grace. I ask today that if there be any within the sound of my voice who do not know you as their Savior, that today you would bring conviction on their heart, conviction of sin, of wrath and of judgment, that they would come to terms with the fact that God loves them, that you love them, that you care for their soul, that in love you have sent your Son to be a light into their darkness. I pray that there would be a love loss with darkness this morning, that there would be a hatred toward darkness this morning, there would be a turning from the darkness to the light. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Now, friend, it's your turn. If you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ this morning. I've been walking in darkness. I've been living without God. I want what you're talking about. I want the forgiveness of my sins. I want a relationship with God. Right where you are, just raise your hand if that's you. You say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me this morning. That's me. I need to give my life to Christ. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't say, I'll do it later. He's calling to you now. Right where you are, just lift your hand if that's you. Let him come in. Give him an open door of access into your heart. Now, I want to make this invitation very clear. Because your eternity hangs in the balance. Today you're in the valley of decision. You must decide for Christ or against him. I don't know if you'll have another chance. Today while the door is open, say yes. Come to him. He says he won't turn you away, but he'll receive you as his own.